My name is Pedro Mujabafid, and we at TMC aim to discuss and inform students regarding topics which aren't covered well in medical school. This interview series is aimed at answering the questions that medical students, interns, and doctors-to-be have regarding the various career pathways for medical graduates. Now, the views and opinions expressed here are purely personal and are not reflective or representative of the stance of any employer, college, medical service, endorsement, or other person. All right, let's start the show. Hi everyone, today we're discussing endocrinology with Dr. Jesse Tang, who is an endocrinologist. Hi Jesse, thanks for joining us. No problems, thanks for having me. Can you please tell us, when did you decide endocrinology was a specialty for you? I think it evolved um, throughout uh, medical school, sorry, medical school and um, a good part of um, working on the wards before I finally decided on endocrinology. Um, so as a medical student, you learn about multiple different specialties. The way I approached my uh, career pathway was actually um, selecting um, a couple of specialties that I found interesting in medical school. Um, once I came out of medical school, I um, enjoyed um, uh, the, I suppose the medical or physician part of uh, medicine. Um, I knew that I was going um, to go through physician training um, and it was only through uh, different rotations in different specialties that I did a sort of a, an elimination um, um, pathway um, and found out that you know I really liked endocrinology and what it entailed and applied for the specialty. So what were the different specialties that you were considering and what was it about endocrinology that put it up the top? Hmm. The thing I liked about endocrinology um, is that you can regard it as a thinking specialty in a sense. Um, most of it is non-procedural. Um, there are some endocrinologists out there who will do their own, um, for example, thyroid ultrasounds or uh, final aspirates, but it's a largely non-procedural specialty. Um, a lot of it is involved in, um, you know, thinking about clinical uh, hormonal syndromes and matching it with investigations. And um, it's like putting pieces of a puzzle together to arrive at a final diagnosis. And that's what I love about endocrinology. Um, a good part of endocrinology at the moment um, is diabetes management because of the explosion um, in type 2 diabetes, but also the explosion in the therapies available um, to manage this epidemic. So, you know, it's a growing specialty. Um, it's something where the answer is not straight up, like someone doesn't come in, um, you know, directly with an acute myocardial infarct or acute stroke. But, um, you know, you do a couple of investigations, you, you apply a lot of your um, uh, interpretation in terms of uh, dynamic testing. Um, and, you know, you arrive to a, a uh, diagnosis, um, you treat the patient and the patient gets cured. Fantastic. Yeah, so it's a lot of, I guess, like you said, it's not clear-cut. It's a lot of problem-solving. It's like being a detective and, and yeah, pieces like a detective. of a puzzle um, together. So what other specialties were you considering um, in medical school? So when I started off, um, I was actually um, you know, very excited about cardiology. Um, I still love it. Um, and um, the uh, thing which made me decide against it um, was knowing that a lot of it was um, acute interventional um, cardiology and um, seeing my registrars and consultants, knowing the hours that they put. Um, and after a while, it started, for me at least, um, it started being very uh, repetitive. Um, a lot of it was about um, procedures, um, about treating the problem, um, and um, a very single system. Um, endocrinology is more broader, uh, broader based. You could argue that every single organ or every single tissue in the body is an endocrine uh, organ because it secretes one form of hormone um, or another. And for a long time, um, 
endocrinology used to be, uh, you know, people used to do just general medicine um, and they would, um, you know, have a little bit more experience in endocrinology. So it's only um, recently, if you look at the whole trajectory of medicine, that endocrinology became um, a subspecialty um, mm. in itself. Um, and you could argue down the track whether or not it'll actually diverge and people um, will become you know, diabetologists, so people who do diabetes quite a lot, or, um, you know, endocrinologists where they um, target different endocrine systems. How important do you believe uh, supplemental education to be? So things such as BMED size and I guess research papers before coming into becoming an intern or as a medical student doing a lot of research and even uh, I guess undergraduate degrees before getting into medicine. Do you think that affects you as a doctor as much or? I came from a program where I was an undergraduate medical student um, with a proportion of my uh, friends or my course mates um, going through postgraduate medicine after having done either a arts or a science um, uh, undergraduate course. Um, personally, I don't think it affects things much. Um, some people may take a little bit of time before actually um, deciding on pursuing medicine as a career pathway. So I think there's no one-size-treats-all um, approach to this. Um, is there any advantage? I think, personally, I think medicine, the theory behind medicine is something that you can learn. Um, but the more important thing is what you like doing. And uh, medicine, even if you're a proceduralist, whether you're a surgeon or an anesthetist, it's you actually meet lots of people and you need to like meeting people and you like talking to people. Um, if you don't like that component of it, then I, I suppose there are different subspecialties that you can go into, mm -hmm. like you know radiology or pathology. But most of specialties in medicine, you, uh, there's a lot of human interaction. And I think if you don't like that, um, I think it's a big deterrent against pursuing medicine as a pathway. Um, in terms of re previous research and projects, I do realise that now, especially in the last couple of years, one, it's very competitive getting into medical school and it's also a competitive process going into uh, specialty training or um, different career pathways down the track. Um, having uh, ex uh, experience in research is helpful. Um, you don't necessarily need to complete a full MD or a full PhD um, before going into medicine. I don't think it's up to that competitive stage yet. Um, I think the main think about why you're doing that research project. Um, is it getting a you know small flavor about what research can be like, um, and whether or not it's an area that you could potentially see yourself growing into in the future? Make it work for you. So besides you know the potential publications or the presentations, use it in a way where it can actually help you make your decision in terms of uh, future career pathways. Um, in terms of um, helping you get into future subspecialty programs, um, any research is better than no research at all. So even if it's a simple um, audit pre presented at a local unit meeting, um, it tells me that you're um, involved, you know a little bit about um, data collection, processing and things, um, and then you can evolve from there. I don't mm -hmm. need you to be the head of a um, RCT first up. 
Sure. Um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be in your final career specialty. Um, so don't feel pressured into mm-hmm. saying that um, you need to choose a specialty first up um, and you feel the need to follow through it all the way. So lots of people change their minds about career pathways. Perfect. Halfway. Yeah, that's really good advice. Please make sure to complete the survey for this episode. We want to make sure the episodes are as useful as possible and the surveys help us to monitor whether they're making an impact on our fellow peers. It only takes 30 seconds and it helps more than you can imagine. The link can be found on our Facebook and our blog. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into endocrinology? So what happened after you graduated? Um, So after med school, um, I went through the usual um, internship residency um, rotations. Um, Interestingly enough, um, I didn't get a um, rotation in endocrinology prior to um, going into endocrinology uh, speciality. Um, I was um, fortunate in um, during my um, the year when I was studying for physicians exams, I actually um, swapped with another friend who um, had the covering endocrinology registrar position um, who was interested in the cover that I was getting. Um, and it was after that four-week period of being the uh, covering endocrinology registrar, I was like, yeah, I love it. I'm going to go ahead and do this. So I didn't really finally decide right up until the end. A lot of it was a process of elimination in terms of going through different specialties and saying um, how my registrars work, but more importantly, how my consultants work. Because um, registrarship is a, a series of intense training, but more importantly, when you come out of that, how your consultants um, um, you know, do their day-to-day um, practice and seeing whether or not you want to be that person or not. Can you tell us how competitive the endocrinology field is at the moment? Um, uh, at the moment, there are growing spots around uh, the state and as well um, as in the country. Having said that, it is very competitive from year to year. Um, the number of spots will vary from year to year in terms of number of openings for first year endocrinology trainees. And on average, there'll be three to four applicants for a single position. I think if you're considering applying for endocrinology, the things that you need to think about doing um, is talking to the uh, endocrinology registrars, um, find out about what they do, and once you've decided, find out more about the application process um, first up. Um, It's useful to start um, being involved um, in the unit or in the meetings, one, just to see what the content is, but to also to um, um, meet the people um, in that specialty, um, and that goes for any other specialties, by the way, um, um, so that you know you are familiar with the consultants around, the head of departments around, um, and when the year comes where you're applying for um, specialty training, um, most specialties will have a formal interview process and then a pre-interview informal get-to-know-you process, and it's important um, to know about it so that you can actually organize or fit your pre-interviews Um, prior to the formal uh, selection process. Um, Knowing what each specialty looks for is helpful. In endocrinology, some research is helpful or some publications is helpful. In other specialties, they may require, especially in surgical uh, specialties, they may require you to do more. Um, So it's helpful to know that prior and you can plan it out um, Mm -hmm. in your years before applying. What's the time frame for being accepted into advanced endocrinology training at the moment? 
Yeah. So at the moment, um, the fastest process that you can go through um, is um, after internship, you can apply for BPT1 as a resident. Um, you do BPT2. Sorry, uh, second and third year of basic physicians training, and then you sit for your exams. And um, the thing that's difficult is the year that you're sitting for your exams is also the year that you're applying for advanced specialty training for all specialties. Sure. Um, and it can be very challenging fitting exam preparation um, through going through um, interviews um, with each hospital. Um, and the formal interview process, um, which is almost directly after when the results come out. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a lot of people get in the first time, but there are also quite a lot of people who don't get in the first time. And it's helpful to ask people in the field um, what options there are um, in terms of there may be some uh, unaccredited positions around where you can have some exposure to endocrinology whilst doing a little bit of research. Um, but what positions are out there that could help um, your uh, chances of getting into the program for the following year? Um, it's always helpful to bear in mind that, um, you know, in Victoria, at the moment, the uh, it's a centralised uh, selection process, um, including the job in uh, Tasmania. So if you're prepared to go into state, then it's worthwhile inquiring all around the country. There have been some people doing a a couple of years training overseas and returning back to Australia Mm -hmm. as well. So um, it's worthwhile inquiring about those two. What does your typical day involve as an endocrinology consultant at the moment? It can be very variable. I'm mainly based as um, in outpatient clinics at the moment with a little bit of ward service. Um, So when you finish training and become a specialist, I think first thing you need to um, ask yourself is whether you want to do public work or private work or a little bit of both. Um, And um, uh, some people will go purely into private practice, um, including um, whether it's purely outpatient work or inpatient work or a combination of both. Um, Or some people um, want to pursue a little bit of research um, and public work. At the moment, my uh, practice is mainly very clinics-based around different hospitals, a little bit of ward service um, at Eastern Health and at St. Vincent's Hospital, um, and clinical teaching. Um, So there's a lot of flexibility in terms of I'm not working full-time at the moment. Um, So on my non-clinic days, um, I can either um, inject some clinical teaching or um, catch up on my own reading or own research. What is the most rewarding part about your job? Two things. Um, I think when I'm treating patients and when you get a diagnosis and a definitive treatment, I think after that it's very rewarding. Um, A lot of my um, work involves um, pregnancy-related diabetes or pregnancy-related endocrine conditions and um, actually accompanying that patient through what can be a very challenging time um, and having a good outcome at the end is very rewarding. Um, I'm still involved in clinical teaching because I like that. And um, I think it's a way of um, giving back when you've had so much mentorship and training from other people or your um, supervisors previously. And seeing your medical students grow, um, becoming interns, residents, um, and knowing that you have contributed to their medical teaching and experience in a positive way, that itself is very rewarding. Mm-hmm. And I guess conversely, what part of the, your uh, specialty do you struggle with the most? There are some times where you feel like you're not making a difference. Um, and this is especially true for different specialties. Each specialty will have a group of patients with a chronic uh, condition. 
um, or sometimes it just feels like you know they they are very unfortunate and that single person has um, every complication under the sun that could happen to them. Um, there can be some uh, people who, um, you know, for whatever reason are upset with you or, you know, may not seem um, as grateful for your care. And I think it's worthwhile um, bearing in mind that, you know, it's usually targeted towards the situation rather than you personally. And I think it's good at that stage to step back um, then have a think about, um, you know, overall um, other patients who are actually grateful for your care mm-hmm. um, and having a team approach in terms of it's not specifically that patient against you, but as a team, how do you help improve that patient's experience or uh, that patient's uh, condition? Um, it's helpful to uh, have a person or a group of people to debrief with and a lot of it will be your peers going through, um, you know, the... Uh, Similar situations. Yeah. Or similar situations. Um, it may not necessarily be in the same um, specialty, um, but just uh, meeting up with your um, friends or your colleagues from medical school once in a while, uh, both to debrief, but also actually to um, actually touch base and socialize as well. Hmm. Do you see endocrinology changing much in the next five to ten years? Well, I think um, in the last couple of years, the main explosions in endocrinology has been the multitude of uh, drugs becoming available for diabetes management and also for osteoporosis management. Um, And um, I suspect it will continue to grow whilst we build our armory against how to deal with these two very chronic conditions. Um, There are um, a lot of uh, uh, research and uh, advances in technology, especially with uh, diabetes technology. Um, for example, um, closed loop meters um, or artificial pancreases, um, devices that can measure uh, glucose levels without actually um, pricking and getting a blood sample. So I think all of these are actually, you know, they're small uh, steps um, progressing, and I think the big picture is coming um, within the next five to ten years. So definitely a very interesting time to be involved in endocrinology. What other specialties do you interact with the most as an endocrinologist? So, um, endocrinological conditions are very varied. Um, uh, For someone with chronic diabetes, um, sometimes you do need to uh, have lots of communications, um, especially with the vascular surgeons um, and infectious diseases um, when managing someone with uh, um, really bad diabetic food ulcers, ophthalmology for eye disease. Um, We do have a lot of interaction with um, uh, surgical specialties. some people specialize in what we call endocrine surgery, which is um, uh, adrenalectomies and thyroidectomies. And these are the patients that um, if they've got um, thyroid conditions or uh, potential adrenal conditions, uh, we interact with. Um, neurosurgeons who do pituitary surgery is another um, area or group of uh, patients that we work around. Um, we communicate a lot with the laboratory, um, especially when um, the, the clinical uh, assays or the blood test don't make quite sense, sorry, don't make sense with uh, or don't correlate with the clinical picture um, and with radiology in terms of what kind of suitable, especially functional imaging for neuroendocrine tumors. Do you find that's advantageous or is it kind of, does it sometimes get too many cooks, spoil the broth kind of picture? Um, no, I think, um, you know, as you 
progress um, through your medical career, you actually do appreciate that direct one-to-one um, communication. Um, if there's a particular problem that doesn't quite fit, whether it's in terms of imaging or investigation, sometimes um, just calling the person directly um, and filling them in with the clinical picture might, you know, there's more more heads are better than one. And sure. um, that's the point of having multidisciplinary team meetings for challenging cases. Can you think of a story either in medical school or an internship where things didn't really go right and what you learned from that? Going through training, one of the major things that you're worried about, um, whether or not you're starting off as an intern or whether you're a new specialty registrar or you're a new consultant, is actually um, fear of making mistakes. Um, and that's why I think asking or finding out um, is uh, important. Um, and you need to be able to feel comfortable um, asking questions without fear of repercussions. Um, it's much better to find out before, but even after, um, even if you've found out that you've, you've made a uh, mistake or an error on your part, um, I think it's important actually to uh, debrief um, your team or debrief um, with yourself to find out what went wrong. And in most instances, it's small things happening um, that's fallen through the cracks, um, resulting in a Swiss cheese phenomenon. And um, the main thing is how to reflect as a team um, to stop it from happening again. Mm. Perfect. And I'll just skip one more question. If people don't know quite early on what they want to do, and I guess at the moment the scenery is that's getting quite difficult to get into essentially all programs because of the influx of medical students that are coming through. Mm. But at the same time, you don't necessarily want to make a decision for the sake of making a decision and for the sake of just pursuing something. Mm. What advice would you have to people who don't really know what they want to do and are kind of at a loss as to how to go about doing things? I think a key thing is to speak to as many people from the specialties that you're potentially interested as possible, not just as a um, registrar level, but more importantly as a consultant level. Excuse me. Bearing in mind that um, there are a lot of people doing private practice out there with very different day-to-day lifestyles compared to people involved yeah. in the public system. Bear in mind that there is a whole lot of other non-medical specialties that people with medical degrees progress and go into. For example, medical administration, um, research advisors, uh, insurance advisors, um, where you know they might find that clinical medicine is not something that they want to do long term, sure. but having a medical degree is um, um, helpful in pursuing what they want in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the more people you talk to, um, and if possible, get a rotation in that specialty to see whether you like that kind of medicine or not is important. There have been people where they've changed specialty training programs yep. midway several times. Um, one of my uh, senior medical registrars used to be in neurosurgical training. She did um, basic physician's training um, halfway, um, specialized, and then did radiology after that. So oh. it's more the exception rather than the norm, yeah. but it can happen. It's a possibility. And um, it's important to always, I mean, do something that you're interested in um, rather than being unhappy all the time. How has your work changed going from registrar to consultant level? As you progress through specialty training, um, you learn how to make um, clinical decisions by yourself. And essentially in a final year registrar level, you're essentially functioning almost as a junior consultant. Once you trans- 
for and you know once you finish and become a consultant you need to be aware that even though you know you've got the registrar reporting to you there are other consultants for you to actually tap on for advice or to discuss uh, things with um, i think as a consultant level um your a majority of your role um is actually to educate um and actually to um uh, think beyond the box and see, okay, is there anything that my uh, team hasn't thought about which could potentially be happening um, mm-hmm. based on the experience that you've had before? True, because I guess the idea is that the registrar and the home team should be able to manage things and the consultant is there for consulting purposes mm-hmm. and to come in and give well, advice. Well, I think a big role um, besides just going on a walk around and seeing patients is actually using that opportunity to teach. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be something that's lost or, you know, the opportunity is not uh, taken up wholly um, because you should be able to teach something with each walk around despite time constraints. Sure. Yeah. Make sure to keep in touch with us through social media. Our handle is at the med collab. That's T-H-E-M-E-D-C-O-L-L-A-B on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our podcast for our weekly release. Now back to the show. How is your work-life balance at the moment? At the moment, I'm happy with where things are. Um, I am not working full-time. I'm working probably varies from week to week but anything from 0.5 to about 0.7 um, full-time equivalent um, once you finish it's actually up to you in terms of how much or how flexible you want to be and um, it, this is especially helpful um, for uh, especially young women who are thinking about starting a family or have a young family um, there's a lot of opportunities to have um uh, to cover for someone else's leave for some temporary work um, whilst you're slowly building up um, on your uh, private practice or your more constant uh, clinical work. Um, so at the moment, um, for me, um, it's very flexible um, and um, I'm comfortable and very happy with where things are. Given that you are working less than a full-time equivalent at the moment, mm-hmm. is it difficult to find that kind of work because uh, I guess... Uh, employers are looking for people who are willing to work the full time or is it quite easy to get like little bits here and there? Yeah. Um, ironically, um, when you finish uh, specialty training, um, most hospitals will not have a full time consultant position um, available, uh, ready and waiting. Um, if you're keen to build up a private practice, it's something that you can go to um, completely and I suppose how much you want to work privately is also pretty flexible as well, depending on how much revenue you're thinking about. Um, but in terms of uh, public positions, um, it depends on what's available, whether there's anyone going on leave or retiring, um, or whether or not there's any expansion in terms of new clinics. Um, so most people don't have a full-time job available waiting for mm-hmm. them. Um, it's a combination of deciding um, which hospitals you want to work in um, and uh, what's available, which might not be available smack bang February each year. Sure. Um, I'm actually working across ooh, how many hospitals? About four or five different hospitals at the moment. Um, so I started working at Eastern Health in August um, and prior to that, and I'm still currently working at St. Vincent's Hospital 
Werribee Mercy Hospital, um, Monash Hospital, and doing some cover work at both Western Health and also Royal Women's Hospital. So very spread around, and I think a big part of it is up to you in terms of how much work you want to take up um, and what suits you. So some people don't like traveling much and prefer to stick to one or two health services. Um, my approach to it was to see how much, um, I suppose, long-term public work I can get, as well as um, how much cover I can get whilst slowly building up private practice um, at the side. Sure. It must be quite difficult to manage, I guess, different hospitals, different jobs, as well as keeping up to date with your CPD and all the research that's coming out and family and whatnot. Is endocrinology a good uh, specialty for people who, I guess, want to spend a little bit more time with family and whatnot? And how do you how do you find yourself? What strategies do you have to manage your time? Mm. Um, I think keeping up to date is and how to do that is something that you'll pick up through training. Um, one of the benefits of being involved in a public hospital unit is you have regular um, unit meetings um, and you have regular updates in terms of um, uh, presentations about the latest um, uh, medication or the latest guidelines. Um, there are uh, local and international uh, meetings every year and um, well, people do um, attend um, to try and um, keep up to date with the latest um, developments as well. It does mean that when you're um, practicing solely privately, it can be a little bit isolating um, and you know you need to be very motivated in terms of keeping up to date. Uh, what most people do is um, subscribe to certain uh, journal articles where you may just um, um, you know be informed about um, the newest um, things involved in endocrinology um, um, and having that motivation to actually um, do some reading and I think trying to actually um, allocate some time um, uh, to do that is very important uh, for the rest of your career. Sure. What kinds of people should be going into endocrinology, do you think? So what kind of people would enjoy it the most? I think um, the people who en uh, don't necessarily need to know the answer straight up and who enjoy um, uh, a little bit of investigative work um, who uh, a big part of um, practice at the moment is diabetes so who are comfortable with uh, diabetes are not put off with uh, managing this as a chronic condition um, there are some people who do dual um, combination specialties so the, co uh, the common dual specialties is doing endocrinology with either uh, radiology or um, nuclear medicine um, so these are the people who um, subspecialize in different forms of imaging or uh, pet imaging or PRT so um, giving treatment um, with um, radioisotopes for neuroendocrine tumors or combining endocrinology and chemical pathology so um, which means that you know you are more involved and you understand um, laboratory assays a little bit better and potentially the pitfalls of um, or um, uh, the the causes of, uh, um, I suppose, unreliable lab assay results. Sure. What advice would you have for people going through internship or what piece of advice would you have liked to have made your internship uh, and your junior doctor, I guess, life a little bit easier? Hmm. I think as an intern, um, always ask a question if you're unsure. Um, sometimes the response that you may get may, you know, be uh, you know 
people should not be angry when you're asking questions and sometimes in some stressful situations um, you, you know, the response uh, might be a little bit negative but you should always ask um, one thing I realized going through um, uh, internship and residency is that there could be a couple of ways of um, um, approaching a single issue um, and that's why it's helpful not to assume there's only one way of doing things but to find out as many ways as possible and um, which uh, ends up being you developing your own approach to things. Um, I think as an intern and a, as a resident, um, you need to acquire, um, you need to be comfortable in managing a variety of medical um, conditions. So even if you aspire to become a surgeon or a anesthetist or non-medical related specialty, using those couple of years to actually understand common medical conditions um, is important because that might be your only um, window of opportunity um, to manage um, acute medical conditions. Would you recommend formal study during your internship or just like just reading up on stuff for general knowledge? The best way to actually remember or to actually uh, know how to go about reading is um, by, you know, getting a clinical case or a patient and reading around it. Sure. Yeah. Great. So that's all the questions I had for you. So thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Um, no, thanks very much for having me in this program. Um, if anyone is interested in endocrinology, wants to know a little bit more about it, I'm happy for them to either um, email me through a hospital email or um, approach me um, when I'm in clinics or on the wards. Um, if um, someone wants to join me in the clinics or ward rounds, they're more than welcome to come as well. And um, I wish you guys all the best with med school and beyond. Thank you so much. No problems. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If there's any doctors you'd like us to interview, or if there's any questions you'd like asked, please shoot us a message. We listen and respond to every single message that comes through. Alright guys, see you next week.